Chapter Twenty Six of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Twenty Six. The Peacemaker. Without knowing why, I hailed the arrival of this stranger as opportune. Perhaps his presence, added to the entreaties of that fair young creature, still urgent in my behalf, might prevent the effusion of blood. Indeed, I had already determined that none should be spilled by me, let the consequences be as they might. And whatever was to be the denouement of this awkward affair, I had resolved that my rifle should have not to do in deciding it. The peace had fallen to the order arms. The ill-omened birds had forsaken their perch, and now, soaring in the blue sky almost beyond the reach of human vision, their movements were no longer heeded, neither by my adversary nor myself. Turning away from the stranger, whom I had only regarded for a second or two, I faced again to the more interesting tableau in front of me. That, too, was rapidly undergoing a change. The squatter no longer clung to his rifle. The girl had taken it from his hands and was hurrying with it to the door of the cabin. There was no hindrance made by my antagonist. On the contrary, he appeared to have delivered it over to her, as if the affair between us was to have a pacific determination, or at all events, a respite. What surprised me more than all was the altered demeanour of my adversary. His whole manner seemed to have undergone a sudden change. Sudden it must have been, since it had taken place during a second or two, while my attention was occupied by the newly arrived horseman. What still further astonished me was that this transformation was evidently produced by the presence of the stranger himself, that it was not due to the young girl's interference i had evidence already that had not moved him for a moment her earnest appeal had received a repulse energetic and decisive as it was rude and of itself would certainly not have saved me beyond doubt then was i indebted to the stranger for the truce so unexpectedly entered upon the change in holt's demeanour was not more sudden than complete at first an air of astonishment had been observable after that an expression of inquietude, becoming each moment more marked. No longer did he exhibit the proud aspect of a man who felt himself master of the ground, but on the contrary appeared cowed and quailing in the presence of the newcomer, whom he had met at the entrance, and at once invited into the enclosure. This manner was observable in the half-mechanical courtesy with which he removed the bars and took hold of the stranger's horse, as also in some phrases of welcome to which he gave utterance in my hearing. For myself I was no longer regarded, any more than if I had been one of the deadwoods that stood around the clearing. The squatter passed without even looking at me, his whole attention seemingly absorbed by the new arrival. It was natural I should regard with curiosity an individual whose presence had produced such a wonderful effect, and my scrutinizing gaze may have appeared rude enough to him. I cannot say that he elicited my admiration. On the contrary, his appearance produced an opposite effect. I beheld with him what might be termed an instinct of repulsion, since I could assign no precise reason for the dislike with which he had inspired me on sight. He was a man of about thirty years of age, a thin, spare body, less than medium height, and features slightly marked with the bar sinister, a face without beard, skin of cadaverous hue, nose sharply pointed, chin and forehead both receding, eyes small but sparkling like those of a ferret and long, lank black hair, thinly shading his cheeks and brows, were the prominent characteristics of this man's portrait. His dress was of a clerical cut and color, 
though not of the finest fabric the coat trousers and vest were of black broadcloth the coat and waistcoat being made with standing collars similar in style to those worn by wesleyan ministers or more commonly by catholic priests while a white cravat not over clean and a hat with curving boat brim completed the saintly character of the costume judging from his personal appearance i concluded that i saw in the individual before me the methodist minister of swampville if so it would account for the obsequiousness of his host though not satisfactorily there was something more than obsequiousness in holt's manner something altogether different from that deferential respect with which the gospel minister is usually received in the houses of the humbler classes moreover the character of the squatter such as i had heard it and such as i had myself observed it to be for no correspondence with the attitude of reverence he had so suddenly assumed even under the hypothesis that the newcomer was his clergyman i was puzzled by his behaviour he in the ecclesiastical costume appeared to be a man of few words and of gesture he made a like limited use having passed me without even the courtesy of a bow on the contrary i was honoured with a glance of cynical regard so palpable in its expression as to cause an itching in my fingers notwithstanding the saintly gown i contented myself however with returning the glance by one i intended should bear a like contemptuous expression and with this exchange we separated from each other i remained by my stand without offering remark either to the squatter or his guest the only change i effected in my position was to sit down upon the stump where with my rifle between my knees i resolved to await the issue all idea of using the weapon was gone out of my mind at least against hickman holt he was her father i would as soon have thought of turning its muzzle to my own body i tarried therefore with no hostile intention on the contrary i only waited for an opportunity to propose some pacific arrangement of our difficulty and my thoughts were now directed to this end i had every chance of observing the movements of the two men since instead of entering the cabin they had stopped in front of it where they at once became engaged in conversation i took it for granted that i was myself the subject but after a time i began to fancy i was mistaken judging from the earnest manner of both but more especially from holt's gestures and frequent ejaculations something of still greater interest appeared to be the theme of their dialogue i saw the squatter's face suddenly brighten up as if some new and joyous revelation had been made to him while the features of his visitor bore the satisfied look of one who was urging an argument with success they were evidently talking of some topic beyond my affair and unconnected with it but what could it be i was unable even to guess perhaps had i listened more attentively i might have arrived at some knowledge of it since words were occasionally uttered aloud but my eyes were busier than my ears and at that moment neither the squatter nor his guest was the subject of my thoughts beyond them was the attraction that fascinated my gaze that thing of roseate golden hue whose shining presence seemed to light up the dark interior of the cabin gleaming meteor-like through the interstices of the logs now softly moving from side to side oh now thank heaven gliding towards the door only for a moment stood she silently on the stoop one smiling moment and she was gone her fair face was once more hidden behind the rude jealousy of the logs but the smile remained it was mine and lingered long within the trembling temple of my heart End of chapter twenty six